Well, thank you for joining us for another edition of our Walk Through the Bible together in 2021. We are on week 16 this week, and you should have read the book of Ruth and continued into the beginning of the book of Acts and started the book of 1 Samuel this week. <clears throat> I'd like to spend our time together today looking at the book of Ruth. And honestly, it's been a while since I've read the book of Ruth, and I forgot just how much... I love this little short story that is plugged in um, in the Old Testament. You know, the book of Ruth is really a wonderful depiction of a loving God who is full of grace and who is full of mercy. So I'd like to just give a little bit of an overview of that book and then talk through some of that together. You know, it's um, been described as one of the most beautiful short stories that has ever been written, and these four chapters here really depict the loving and gracious mercy of a God who is willing to, to go out of his way to love other people. Now, the book of Ruth really has no author that is um, described in the book. Most of the time in Jewish tradition, the, the Talmud, that's a a book of Jewish tradition um, would describe the prophet Samuel as writing the book of Ruth. And it would fit the timeline, although we don't know that for sure. Like we said, the text itself doesn't say anything about the actual author of the book. But whoever it was is a skilled storyteller. And as you read this little short story and the way things weave in and out of it, uh, the wording that is used is just absolutely beautiful. You know, the final words of the book of Ruth link her with David, who would have been her great-grandson. And that's Ruth 4, verses 17, 18, 19, on down through 22. Um, we know that you know Samuel would have obviously known David since he knew of his anointing because he was the one who God directed to do that. Um, so Samuel could have possibly recorded that. The genealogy at the end of that book um, here in Ruth really links David's lineage through the days of the judges. And it shows us of his rightful kingship and the support of that in a time when Israel had no king. Um, Solomon is not mentioned in that book. And if Solomon would have been around, then obviously the author would have continued the lineage there. So a lot of people would believe that the book was written before David ascended the throne. So that time when David was um, fleeing from Saul in the wilderness and a time of, of turmoil again in Israel. They had called for a king. The king that they had got was not the right king. Their hearts were turned away from the Lord. The events of Ruth, we believe, happened between 1160 and 1100 B.C. So those were during the later period of the Judges. And we also see in the first chapter of Ruth, in the days when Judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man in Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. You know, those days of the Judges were dark days in Israel. They were full of suffering they were full um, of pain that were brought about by Israel's apostasy and immorality. And part of the judgments that God brought upon his sinful people included famine and war. 
And again, the book of Ruth here opens with a report of the famine that drove Naomi's family out of Bethlehem and into the country um, that neighbored them, which was Moab. Now, eventually, Naomi returns with Ruth because she hears that the Lord visited his people in giving them food, and that's Ruth 1, 6. You know, readers could really identify um, this, this pattern of cyclical sin and suffering and supplication and then salvation that's found in the judges. And I think we've talked about that before, that we see the people sin, we see them suffer, we see God offer, or we, we, they reach out in supplication to the Lord and then him offer them salvation. And that goes around and around and around. You know, the readers of this story, and we can, we can ascertain that this, this little story shines as a ray of hope and light because it shows us the power of love between God and his people and God's faithfulness toward his people. And as we look at the book of Judges, we get this big snapshot over a, you know, an overarching view of his people. And it says that in those days there was no king and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Obviously, that's a, a overarching view. And here we get one picture of a small family in a small town at the threshing floor where people are being faithful to the Lord. And that is in opposition to that broader narrative that would be found in the book of Judges. Yeah, I think Ruth is just so important because it is written from Naomi's point of view. You know, as you look through this, it is um, every event that happens in here is related back to her. Her husband's and her son's death. It was her daughter's-in-law. It was her return to Bethlehem. Her God, her relative, Boaz. It was her land to sell. And really, that doesn't happen anywhere else in Scripture, that we see a view of God through the eyes of a woman. Now, the book of Luke, which we are currently, we are just finished reading last week, you know, really was written to women as an audience. And so we see a lot of different interactions of women with the Lord Jesus Christ in there, but really a book written from the perspective of a woman and her relationship with the Lord doesn't happen anywhere else except in the book of Ruth. You know, many people have compared Ruth to a female Job. She lost it all. She lost her home. She lost her sons. She lost her husbands. Really, even more than Job, though, she lost her livelihood, and she joined the ranks of Israel's lowest members, the poor and the widowed. And she cries out in grief, and she neglects to see the gift that God has placed and her path, and her daughter-in-law, Ruth. Now, Ruth, Ruth herself, here the namesake of the book, she really embodies that loyal love that comes from having a God who loves us. You know, this vow of loyalty in Ruth 16 and 17, it's one that's often read at weddings nowadays. Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. Now, obviously, this is not a marital commitment in nature here. It's a, um, a daughter-in-law saying that to her 
mother-in-law, but it just communicates such depth of devotion. And, you know, many, so many new couples aspire to that. And really, as we read through Ruth and the fact that she lives out that promise, we see the extent of God's grace and mercy. You know, Ruth is accepted into his chosen people, and she is honored and a role with continuing the family line into which God's appointed King David will later reign through his son Jesus Christ will be born. You could read about that in the first chapter of Matthew if you'd want to look at that. So what's the big idea of the book of Ruth? It's a beautiful short story. It's a story about redemption. It's a story about loyalty. It's a story about grace and mercy and love. I think, though, I think that really the main point of it when we put in the context of where it was written at this time of the judges, when everyone did what was right in their own eyes, the main point of this story is that obedience in everyday life pleases God. You know, we reflect his character through our interactions with other people. And when we do that, we bring glory to him. Ruth's sacrifice and hard work to provide for Naomi, that reflects God's love. Boaz's loyalty to his kinsmen, that's Naomi's husband, reflects God's faithfulness. And Naomi's plans for Ruth's future reflect this selfless love that comes from God. And this book, this little book here, shows the Israelites the blessing that obedience could bring. It showed them the loving and faithful nature of their God. And as you read through this book, you just absolutely get the picture that when we choose to honor God with our lives, and he will choose to honor them. You know, this book demonstrates that God responds to his people's cry and that he practices what he preaches, if you will. You know, Watching him provide for Naomi and Ruth, those two widows with little prospects for a future, they didn't have much hope. We learn that he really does care for the outcasts in society, just as he tells us to do. James 1 and 27, that true religion is this, that you watch out for orphans and widows in their distress. Jeremiah 22, 16 points us in that same way, that we should be caring for the orphans and the widows, not because it's just a good thing to do, it's because it's the God thing to do, and he actually does that here in the book of Ruth. You know, the people, and if this was written by Samuel, um, during that later period of, of the judges, when um, Saul, was, Saul was coming to, to power, and um, we, we see that happening, then it obviously, it obviously is pointing people to the fact that faithfulness and obedience go hand in hand. So I think that's a main point that we oftentimes miss from the book of Ruth. We talk a lot about the redemption and the love and the, the care that is happening in there, and those things are absolutely true. But I think that a big point we can miss is that obedience to God is honored. So you might think, how do you apply this to your life? You know, the book of Ruth, it comes along at that time of really irresponsible living in Israel's history, and people not following after the Lord and people not doing what he told them to do. And so God is calling us, called Ruth, called Naomi to live faithfully. And they are a picture of that happening. And he was calling his people to do that. He was calling them back to a greater responsibility and to living 
faithfully before the Lord, even in difficult times, even in the times of the judges, even in the times when the people as a whole were rejecting the Lord. And that call still applies just as clearly to you and to me today. You know, we belong to a loving and faithful and powerful God who has never failed to care and provide for his children. A few weeks ago, we finished up the book of Joshua. and We saw that everything that the Lord had promised came to pass. All of his words were true. He is absolutely faithful, and he provided for his children. The book of Judges, and the time the book of Ruth was written, his children had turned their backs on him. But you and I are called to be like Ruth and Boaz and respond to that divine grace that comes from the Lord in faithful obedience in spite of a godless culture, in spite of a culture that as a whole has turned its back on the Lord. That is a call that really fits in with where we are today. In spite of the godless culture in which we live, one that is increasingly not just neutral to Christianity, but is actually anti-Christian, we are called to live faithfully. And in doing so, we are called to reflect the character of God to those people who are around us, just like the characters in this short story in the book of Ruth did. I would encourage you to go back and read these four chapters again at some point this week. And I know there's a lot of reading plugged into these weeks, but I would just really encourage you to go back and to, to reread that with that idea in mind, that we, we as God's people, are called to live faithfully, and that we are promised, when that happens, that our obedience will be honored, that our obedience will absolutely be made good before the Lord and he will honor us. I also want to really encourage you to continue to memorize Psalm 19. I know I mentioned that several weeks ago when we studied and I've been working on that. I'm not there yet, um, but just want to encourage you to think about again how good the Lord is and how good he has, um, he has created this universe in a way that points us back to him, that reminds us of his faithfulness. Even when things around us seem to be pointing us away from the Lord, Psalm 19 reminds us that all of the things God has created are pointing us towards him. And that last verse there, Psalm 19, 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I don't have the rest of the psalm memorized, but I do have that one committed to memory, and I've been working on that each and every day, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing, would be acceptable in the sight of the Lord, who is my rock and my redeemer. That is a huge part of faithful and obedient living, that the words that come out of me, the things that I say and the things that I think about, the meditations of my heart, those would be pleasing to the Lord. I'm not quite there yet, but with God's help, we're working towards that. I pray that you are as well. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, and hope that you will join us again next week as we continue with this walk through the Bible together. Have a great day.